This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. Today we're discussing the use of experts in the investigation of first-party property claims. When the basic claims investigation is complete, the adjuster must determine if assistance is needed from liability experts, medical experts, or legal counsel, or if it is better to rely on the layperson's understanding of physics, medicine, or other special areas involved in a particular case. Because a bad faith claim challenges the reasonableness of an insurer's conduct in investigating and adjusting a claim, the insurance company's conduct is judged objectively using proof of industry standards, which proof is usually submitted by an expert on industry standards of claims handling. In a case where nothing in the record convinced the court that jurors are familiar with the Beck cost guide or exactimate, or the how and when of their general use, the alleged negligence in a case involves technical knowledge of the insurance industry and industry practices. Expert testimony was required to establish the standard of care because the plaintiffs failed to provide the requisite expert testimony, there was insufficient proof concerning the standard of care. Thus, the jury's verdict could not be sustained. This is a case of Conradi versus Bremer Insurance Agency, a 2001 decision of the Wisconsin Court of Appeal. It is appropriate and indeed often required to use an expert to establish insurance industry standards at trial. The opinion of an independent, unbiased expert who is paid a reasonable fee can be helpful and, if not, essential to the investigation and trial of a claim of bad faith claims handling. I have testified for both the insured and insurers in bad faith claims handling cases, establishing that the claims handling was appropriate or that it was inadequate or outside of the standard of care. Other experts include the independent medical examination, which is necessary in some third-party liability claims. When a claimant claims an injury that does not seem to agree with the facts of the incident claimed to have caused the injury, the adjuster will often, and should often, seek the assistance of an independent medical examiner, an IME, to verify the extent of the claimed injury. The IME is usually a forensic physician or chiropractor who has agreed to evaluate an injured person for a fee and is not, not involved in the treatment of the injured person. In Pennsylvania, 
an insurer providing medical benefits to its insureds following an automobile accident, did not have to establish good cause before the insureds were required to take physical examination administered by a doctor of the insurer's choice, even though a local statute provided generally that an insurer seeking to compel independent medical exam was required to show good cause. The policy gave the insurer the right to order an examination under by an IME without establishing good cause. This is Fleming versus CNA, a 1991 decision of a Pennsylvania Appellate Court. Independent medical examinations are always within a trial court's discretion and not available as a matter of right unless specifically set forth in a policy wording. Therefore, before a trial court orders a party to submit to an independent medical examination, the party requesting the examination must show good cause in those cases where its policy does not demand or compel it. Where a claimant requested an independent medical examination because of disputes regarding whether she had reached maximum medical improvement and whether she had any permanent impairment, it is equally apparent that no dispute existed regarding the medical care that had been provided by the managed care plan. Because the claimant was not seeking the independent medical examination to resolve a dispute regarding the medical care that had been provided by a managed care plan, the provisions of state statutes requiring good cause were found to be inapplicable. Claimants entitled to an independent medical examination is controlled by Florida statutes, and pursuant to that statute, the claimant is entitled to an independent medical examination. Now, when an insurer fails to use an IME in good faith by asking its special investigation unit investigators to be involved in retaining the services of an IME, they and the physicians they employ as IMEs will occasionally lose sight of the insurer's obligation to treat its insured fairly and in good faith. The SIU investigator or adjuster must always instruct the IME to provide only his or her professional opinion based on review of records and physical examination of the claimant or the plaintiff. The insurer should never, never suggest a finding to the IME. Doing so can and usually will be construed as a bad faith act and will result in a suit for tortious bad faith, including both compensatory and punitive tort damages. One such misstep was reported in a case called Sprague v. Equifax, Inc., a California Court of Appeal decision from 1985, 
where the court found, among other things, that the investigator wrote to the IME, Dr. Ramey, regarding the plaintiff's examination. That letter stated, quote, I am representing Top Inc. They have asked that I have you examine one of their insureds who is currently on disability. Mr. Sprague has been disabled since May 31, 1975, due to a back problem. We do not know the exact nature of his problem. In your examination, please determine whether or not you would consider him to be totally and permanently disabled from any and all occupations for which he might reasonably be fitted. In fact, Top had not told Mr. Roth, the investigator, that they did not know the nature of plaintiff's problems, and Mr. Roth did not request more information. Mr. Roth also did not inquire what definition of disability applied to plaintiff under the insurance policy and did not inform Dr. Ramey that under California law, plaintiff would still be deemed disabled unless he could perform the substantial and material acts necessary to a business or occupation in the usual or customary way, or that he would still be disabled even if he could perform sporadic tasks. Dr. Ramey's report dated May 6, 1977, the same day as the examination concluded that plaintiff was suffering from a lumbosacral strain and degenerative arthritis and should be restricted to light work with a minimum of physical effort. On May 12, top cut off benefits as of May 7, based on the report. The adjuster testified that he was told by his supervisor at top that the purpose of a claims department was not to find ways to pay claims, but to find ways to deny claims. Thus, based on Dr. Ramey's report, he felt that there was sufficient information to deny plaintiff's claim and that it was unnecessary to consider any other information. Of course, the truth was the opposite of what the insurer testified to. The purpose of a claims department is to find ways to pay, not to deny claims. The $5 million verdict that resulted in the Sprague case, a great deal more money then than it is today, is still a large amount of money because of a failure to act fairly and in good faith. The $5 million verdict that resulted in the Sprague case made insurers much more careful when they ordered independent medical exams in California and hopefully will never again tell an IME what to conclude or deprive the IME of the information necessary to enter a fair and impartial review of the condition of a patient. Much time has passed and insurers are forgetting the lessons taught in Sprague. 
$5 million in 1975 is a lot more spendable capital than in 2021. The errors made by the investigators and claims people were breaches of their ethical obligations. They should have instructed the IME as to the proper definition of total disability and should have known that the disability benefits were owed when the IME reported the existence of degenerative arthritis. It is the obligation of an adjuster to obtain the best and most accurate information available from a medical examiner. The adjuster should be ready and willing to advise the insurer to pay benefits if the IME establishes that the person being examined was truly injured, or be ready to revise the evaluation of the case based upon the IME's advice. The party moving for an IME must demonstrate to a court the following. 1. That the physical or mental condition of the party sought to be examined is in controversy. And 2. That good cause exists for requiring the party to submit to the examination. An absolute privilege protects the IME doctor from potential liability for allegedly defamatory statements made in his IME report. For example, in 2003 in Chapman v. Mayo, Justice Hickman of the Supreme Court of New York, a trial court, expressed serious displeasure with an insurer's conduct. In an action to recover damages for personal injuries, the defendant's unsuccessful attempt to reduce a jury verdict of over $1 million for the plaintiff's injuries was made on grounds that raised the ire of the justice. After complaining about the defendant and his insurer's lack of cooperation in the settlement process, Justice Hickman found it necessary to comment on the IME presented by the de defense, the judge without an obligation to do so and to the increasingly unfortunate result for the insurer and to the desperation of the insurer said, quote, in defendant's expert physician's file, which plaintiff's counsel was allowed to examine prior to truss examination, was a request that the doctor conduct an IME. Attached as an exhibit to this decision is a copy of the request marked at the trial as Plaintiff's Exhibit 14. The contents of this request raise serious questions about whether the courts are being seriously and routinely misled by the concept of a truly independent medical examination. If, in fact, as seems clearly to be the case here, Many doctors who perform IMEs are being directed to only make findings adverse to a plaintiff and do not advise of anything failure, favorable to that plaintiff. There is no independence involved. It is clear that in many legitimate lawsuits involving serious injury, the insurer is intentionally 
suppressing medical information that should be a part of the file? How can those responsible for evaluating and settling cases do so fairly, effectively, and justly when they do not receive critical information from an IME? The whole purpose of an IME is to give the carrier an opportunity to do their own medical evaluation. It should not be used to suppress all information favorable to a legitimate plaintiff with serious injuries. Although the insurer was not a party to the action, Justice Hickman wanted it made clear to the defendant insured that he was treated wrongfully by the insurer. The judge was so angered, and properly so, by the wrongful conduct of the insurer that he solicited the insured defendant to file a bad faith suit. And if filed, it will probably and probably was very successful, or the insurer, before the suit went forward, entered into a settlement with their insured. The record doesn't show that. This video was adapted from my book, Zelman Insurance Claims, Part 107, Second Edition, which is the seventh part of a ten-part treatise, Zelma on Insurance Claims, all of which are available as paperbacks and Kindle books from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be interesting or useful to your colleagues, please pass it on. It's free. And please also subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and my blog so that you can be advised of future videos and blog postings. Thank you for your attention.